Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company, revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make a sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. And here's your host, Max Becker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by Collingwood Magpie Steel Sidebottom and Lyle Elephant's Vice President, Matthew Dicker. Welcome, boys. Welcome, Max. Thanks for having us. How are you, Maxie? First of all, Steel, under-18's grand final, 10 goals that Eddie had for the Eddie had Stadium for the Murray Bush Rangers. Talk us through the day. Yeah, righto. Well, um, obviously being a country boy, I um, grew up in sort of Shepparton Way. So, um, yeah, made the trip down from Shep that morning. Um, had one of my teammates with me actually in the car who didn't actually play that day. But um, so, yeah, made the trip down to Eddie had with mum um, and – yeah, the rest was history, I suppose. I was lucky enough to get onto a few of them, and um, I think we ended up winning by 70 points. So it was, Ooh. yeah, pretty good day. Uh, two years after that, you were playing in the drawn grand final against St Kilda, and then the next week after that drawn grand final, you were back at it again for the replay, and you dominated. What was that two weeks like? Um, well, I, I suppose it was... You know what every sort of footballer dreams of is playing in a in a premiership. Um, you know when I first got to the club that year, we played in a prelim, and then as you said, that was my second year, and we're playing in a grand final. So um, I was very lucky at that early stage, and um, I reckon all the, all of the older guys um, at the time and sort of you know around after we won <clears throat> would always you know remind me to make the most of it because yeah, clearly it doesn't happen all the time and. If I could take my time back, I probably would have, you know, taken in a little bit more um, because, yeah, the, the I suppose the gap between grand finals was yeah. um, like seven, seven or eight years, so it was a long time. So, um, yeah, it was obviously an awesome couple of weeks. Um, I actually just listened to the grand final and Triple M the other week, so it was good to listen back and uh, yeah, relive a few of the memories. Do you think you'd appreciate it a lot more now? Yeah, no doubt. And I think when we um, made the grand final <clears throat> in 2018, you know, I really made sure that not even just the grand final but the whole sort of finals experience that I really embraced it all and um, almost sat back at times and, yeah, took everything in. So although it was unreal to win the grand final, I think that 2018 sort of final series for me was probably the most enjoyable yeah. um, bit of my career. What was the atmosphere like in the locker rooms after that drawn grand final game? Yeah, it was it was bizarre actually because we didn't actually go back into our um, normal rooms. I think the uh, our proper rooms got flooded with sewage and stuff. So we actually had to um, relocate into a different set of rooms. So <clears throat> um, we didn't actually spend too much time in there. We sort of got our things together and then went straight back over to the Holden Centre and yep. started doing recovery because, yeah, clearly we had to play another game next week. So um, there wasn't too much sort of sitting back and 
chilling the fat about it. It was almost, yeah, the results happen and we're moving on. We've got to go again. In, in your 2018 Copeland Trophy winning speech, you thanked the Lau Elephants Football Club. We're lucky enough today to have the president, the vice president of the elephants here, Matthew in Matthew Dicker. How did the Lao elephants in Southeast Asia inspire you? Me? Oh, sorry, I thought you asked. Um, well, just yeah. you know, the big dick being being a mate. Um, obviously, you know, spent a lot of time in Lao um, working, and I think they went over to the Asian Cup. I think it was to play footy over there and. He posted me over one of the Lao Elephants jumpers to wear with pride and um, yeah. obviously didn't see much dick, so I thought I'd um, give him a little shout-out in the speech. Yep. Um, I heard you played for the mighty Talleyrittner Demons as a kid. What was that experience like? Yeah, so <clears throat> I grew up in Tally and um, I only actually played the two games for Tally. So um, they only had under-18s and... I think when I wanted to stop, sort of start playing club footy under 18s was probably a little bit old for me. So um, I travelled down the road to Kingupna. Yep. Um, they're called the Rotors. You probably wouldn't have heard too many clubs with the – you? it's sort of a mascot. There used to be a road where the ground used to go, so that's why they're called the Rotors. So <laughs> um, travelled down the road and played there for um, until until I got drafted. So – um, yeah, played two games at Tally and would have played, I don't know, 100-plus down the road at Kingup. Tell us a bit about your childhood and growing up. What sports did you play? What was it like? And how many siblings did you have? Yeah, so I'm the youngest of five boys at home. Um, as I said, lived in Tally. Um, our backyard backed onto the local footy oval. So um, whether it was footy, cricket, golf, whatever it was, tennis. We had a basketball court in the backyard, um, you know, a trampoline. I think the mat was taken out of it, so that could have been used as cycle goals. I think anything outdoors, um, you know, we gave it a crack. So um, it obviously got very competitive, being five boys, um, you know, all up against it. But I guess those early years have, you know, shaped me to become the person I am today, so... Tell me about when you realised you could make a career out of footy. Um, good question. Uh, when did I realise? Well, I guess the first time I sort of ever picked for like a good team was um, I think grade six or might even have been year seven um, yeah. for the Victorian team. And we went and played over in uh, Cairns at the time. So um, some of the guys, so Jack Siegel, Tom Scully, yeah. Um, Daniel Talia played in that team. So there's some guys, you know, looking back now, you wouldn't have known at the time we're going to play obviously league footy. But yeah. I guess that was um, a stage where potentially I thought that, you know, that I might have been good enough. But I guess at 12 years old, there's still a long way to go as well. But um, I guess when I f- sort of first knew that, you know, potentially that, you know, I was a bigger chance it was probably around when I was 15 or 16. Yeah. What was the journey like for you to the AFL from your junior years through to your senior years? Um, well, a very enjoyable one, I think. Um, I think, you know, going through school and stuff as well, like, you know, I wasn't the most academic kid, but I used to love going to school just for the social side and hanging out with mates, um, having a yep. laugh. So um, I guess that was sort of my whole um, 
you know, school days and up until I got drafted, it just was about having fun. And, you know, it probably wasn't until, you know, that first year of the Bush Rangers where things started to get a little bit serious and you had to start making decisions that, you know, put your footy first, whereas, you know, yeah. at times before that I hadn't had to make that decision. And, um, you know, like 16 and 17-year-olds, um, you know, you start getting on the drink or whatever. So, um, you know, you got to make those decisions and put your footy first. So, um, yeah, but as I said, it was a very enjoyable journey and, um, you know, I guess when you get to this age, you, everyone always says they'd love to go back to their sort of high school days and live out their life again and I'm no yeah. different. I had a, you know, awesome upbringing and i um, very thankful for it. What's your game day routine or schedule like? What do you do the night before and also on game day? On game day? Um, so the night before, usually um, just have a big bowl of pasta and some garlic bread. Um, nothing too special. Um, not a good cook like the big dick. Um, but, yeah, just some pasta the night before, that's about it. Usually like, I like to watch the footy if there's a game on before he has. Um, and then game day, I, I try not to have – you know, too much locked in place. I think it can do some blokes head in if they're sort of worried about what they're doing. So I try to keep it um, pretty free-flowing, um, try and get out and take the dogs for a walk before yeah. so hydrating and things. But um, I guess I'm pretty relaxed. I don't really get too nervous um, before games or anything. So, yeah, I just try and relax and I suppose not waste too much energy until, until I get to the game. Does you – do you or one of your teammates have any unusual match day rituals, like at, when you're at the ground? Um, not, not really. No. Um, when the old ones, you know, some blokes wear the same underwear and things like that. But, um, or maybe Adzi Trelaw might. I think he might watch The Simpsons maybe before a game, and then every time he has a shower, he shaves his left leg before his right leg, or something like that. But there's not too many these days, I think. Yeah. Tell us about Scott Pendlebury. What's he like What and what makes him a great captain? Um, what's Pendlebury like? Um, he's, well, I guess he's the ultimate professional. So everything he does, he does to the best of his ability and probably better than anyone else, um, whether it be, I don't know, your weights or – being asked to watch vision, whatever it is, he's always he's always a lead at it. So um, <clears throat> you'll never see him sort of slacking off or taking the easy option. Um, he's always yeah. leading, and I think his best quality is that because he does all of that, he always performs when it counts on game day. And um, I think when he does that, he just gets guys that gravitate and want to follow him, and um, you know, do the same things that he does. And you know, I would say that. He's probably the best player that, you know, I've been lucky enough to play with alongside for, you know, a lot of my career as well. But um, there's no surprises why he's so good because um, yeah. he's just the ultimate professional and he puts in probably more than more than anyone. So, What's Nathan Buckley like to have as a coach from, like, a player's perspective and what's his advantage over the other coaches in the league? Um, yeah, it was a tough question because I really like that. Um, it's uh, about the other coaches, but from from what I can take and what Bucks does for us, I think um, even sort of footy aside, he's probably the most um, caring bloke that 
you know, I've come across in my time. Um, I think he puts, you know, you the person before, you know, the footy player, which is which is great because, yeah. um, you know, <clears throat> footy's only a small part of part of your life, and um, he always says that he he wants, you know, the person that walks in the club at Collingwood to be a lot better person than what he was. So. I think he's, you know, his best attribute, although he's got a few, would be, you know, how much he cares for all his players yeah. and all the staff at the footy club. But, um, yeah, and I guess, like, his coaching ability, he's obviously a gun player. So, um, at Collingwood, we're very lucky with the, uh, the coaches we've got. We've got, obviously, Bucks. We've got Robert Harvey, who is just as good as Bucks. Um, you know, you can say, if not better, um, Robert Harvey, I mean, sorry, not Robert Hart, Brenton Sanderson as well, who um, was a Geelong captain, I think. I'm not sure if he premiership captain, but definitely played in a premiership, I'm pretty sure. Um, and we've even got Scott Sowood, who's come across from Geelong this year as well, and even Anthony Rock as the ruck coach. So, um, oh, Matty Boyd, who's a premiership player as well at the Dogs. Uh, yeah, we're very lucky to have yeah. the resources we have around us, so. Do you think that the hubs would work if they had them in Sheps, in Shep? Or do you think there would be too many loose units there? Um, I don't reckon that would work in Shep, to be honest. There'd be too many blokes probably trying to break in or break out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it probably looks like we're going to maybe go into a hub at some stage. But, um, yeah, we'll just wait and see how that unfolds, I suppose. What are your thoughts on the hub? Um, well, I guess people are going to have to make some sacrifice whether, you know, you like it or not. Um, what, yeah, what's happening right now is pretty unique. It's never happened before. So, um, yeah, there's, there's sort of no, um, there's no blueprint. There's no instructions about how to handle this situation because it's never happened. So, um, I guess my take is I'll do what I need to do, but then, I guess um, for me, I'm about to become a father for the first time in September as well. So you always want to put your family first. And if I guess footy is going to clash with that, then I'll, get, I'll have to put footy on the back burner for a little while and enjoy the birth of, you know, my first child. So, yeah. Hey, guys, quick mention about Monday Distillery, who have come on board as a sponsor of this podcast. Check them out at mondaydistillery.com. They provide non-alcoholic beverages Perfect for athletes and people looking to make the right choice about what you put in your body. Cheers to Monday. We've got a question from a listener, Xavier. Hi, Steel. What's it like playing in front of an Anzac Day crowd? Um, it's unreal, actually. It's, it's awesome. It's the, <clears throat> I don't know, some people say it's after finals, it's it's just as good. But I would say it's, sometimes it's better than finals. It's same thing. We're very lucky to be able to play on that day and, um, represent the, you know, the Anzacs and things like that. But I guess the whole lead up to the game, and not only just game day, but <clears throat> the week leading into, um, yeah, we're very lucky. And I guess, yeah, you just at being at Collingwood, you get probably um, more opportunities to be involved in, you know, those kind of bigger games. And yeah, um, <clears throat> that's definitely one that you sort of, you know, mark off off your calendar early in the year. I've seen that you've been on the Xbox flat out. What else have you been doing to keep yourself occupied during ISO? Where have you seen that, Max, that have been on the Xbox? 
Yeah, through the AFL and stuff, you know, you're in the lockdown league now, so. No, you're right. I've actually been on it a little bit. Um, Yes, so Tommy Sheridan, who put down the lockdown league together, I um, had a – I just played my first game in that actually and played one of the fans and had a nice 5-1 win, so. um, Fortnite? No, no Fortnite. No? I played one game of Fortnite. I actually went and bought myself some headphones about – Oh, a year and a half ago, played one game and then that was it. It's not for yeah. me. So. Um, just FIFA, bit of two K, yeah. um, Tiger Woods, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. What else? Yeah. Just extending on, like, what else have you been doing in ISO apart from like playing on the Xbox and stuff? Um. Well, obviously we're still going to be training while we're not <clears throat> not at the club. So all the boys have got their own program so um you know most most days if not every day you're outside exercising or doing weights having a kick or whatever um yeah two little dogs at home that keep me company so take them for a walk um i just got a new bike as well so i go for a ride dicker had me up at 6 30 the other morning <laughs> coldest day in july so um went and pumped out 45k or so but um Anything I can do to get outside and try and pass the time away, I yeah, like to do. But I've been watching a little bit of that Jordan uh, Netflix series as well. Yeah. Plenty of TV. The great man, Eddie McGuire. Tell us about him. Big Ed. Um, he, yeah, his, I don't know, his passion for the Collingwood Footy Club is yeah, like no other. Um, he'd, I think he'd do anything for any of his boys as you'd say any of the pies boys um yeah i, I, just, I, don't, I don't know you can't really you can't compare him to anyone because he's he's a unique individual he he's a very busy man he's always got something on but bless you as i as i um cheers <laughs> <laughs> mentioned he's very passionate um cares a lot for here yeah, for his club and players and yeah he's a he's a good number to have in your phone that's for sure what does it do to you as a player when you hear the Collingwood Army roaring and cheering or playing in front of 100,000 at the G? Yeah, it, it, gives you, it gives you a little extra kick, it does. You know, they talk about the 19th man. Um, you know, when the Magpie Army get up and going, there's no one louder. Um, yeah, it sort of makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, gets yeah. the adrenaline pumping and there's no doubt when you're out there and they're all up and about it. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a boost and... I think it makes you, yeah, it makes you play a little, little better. What are the interstate trips like? What is the usual weekly schedule in the lead up to these games? Yeah, so we try not to change it too much, but um, some guys like to fly across two days before the game, and then the main group usually just fly across on the day before. So um, usually we'll fly to, say, if it's Sydney, we'll fly to Sydney the day before, and yeah try and get to the ground at the same time the day before as what we're playing the next day to have a run around and just sort of get a feel for the ground. Yeah. Um, but sort of, yeah, we only go out there for half an hour, 40 minutes, have a bit of a kick, bit of a bit of a catch, not too much. Um, and then I guess you just at your sort of hotel room, um, a few meetings. Often we've got table tennis and things like that at the hotel, so um, – yeah, sort of whatever we can do to, you know, make the time go a little bit quicker. But, yeah, we try not to change it too much. 
um, yeah, keep it pretty. Yeah. Yeah, pretty normal. Who is the teammate who you who you would love to be stuck in quarantine with? Love to be stuck. Good question. Um, I haven't been asked this yet, actually. Funnily enough, four weeks in. Um, I guess I get along with Howie pretty well, so um, maybe he's someone who would mind being stuck in there with. Um, both got similar interests. Um, yeah, I'll say Jeremy Howe. Who's the teammate who you would hate to be stuck in quarantine with and why? Um, Braden Maynard would be the teammate I'd hate to be. He's a, he's a little little sook, I'll say. A few of us boys <laughs> went overseas, I think, 2017. I think there was about 10 of us and um, we went on um, we'll go on Yacht Week. So, like, sail Croatia, more, I don't know, nowhere near any land, nowhere, nothing, just sort of camping out on a boat. And I think he almost started crying because he just wanted to go home. He was <laughs> missing his family. Um, so yeah, so I think if I had to stay with, with Braden for those, well, for whatever time we're going to be stuck in, so I reckon I'd get sick of his whinging pretty quick. <laughs> What's the feeling when you won that grand final replay and got so close to the Norm Smith? And did that give you confidence for the next season? Um. Well, the feeling was like no other. Um, I'd won a couple of grand finals in junior days, but um, obviously not to the level of winning an AFL grand final. But um, I don't know, not, not only for me. It's, I guess it's just seeing how much joy and whatever it brings to all the fans and, um, you know, how much sort of our performance affects others around us. Like, you know, we had, you know, people crying and, you know, thanking us, you know, people that have never met in our life and to see, you know, what a difference sort of winning a game of footy can make to other people is something pretty special and I guess that's why we're pretty fortunate to be able to do what we do for a job as well because not only is it awesome for us, it's, um, you know, if we can do our job, job well, it makes it, you know, pretty enjoyable for a lot of other people as well. Yeah. What do you think is your best attribute or skill? Well, how long have we got? <laughs> um, wow, good question. Um, I don't know, maybe I think I've got a good knack of sort of reading the play, so knowing where to run at the right times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that could be one maybe. Who is the toughest opponent, opponent that you've had to match up with in your career? Yeah, I've obviously had a couple, but um, in my first year, actually, we played against the Swans, um, and I would have been about 70 kilos, I reckon. Um, I think we were losing at half time, and Mick, after half time, told me to go play on Brett Kirk. Um, <laughs> and he was probably old enough to be my dad at that stage, so um, <laughs> he was blowing me around and throwing me around. I don't think I lasted too long on him, and then <clears throat> I actually got dropped the next week, so. Oh. Early days, it was probably him, and then I don't know, sort of the last maybe few years, someone like Liam Picking, I think, um, he's got you know the better of me a couple of times. So yeah, it's name a few. Who is your favourite player in the AFL to watch? Oh, um, well, probably right now when when they're up and going, would have to be Buddy Franklin, I think. Yeah. Uh, 
I've actually been playing against him and got a pretty good view of him tearing us apart a few times. But, um, yeah, he'd definitely be up there with one of my favourite players, yeah. I understand that your fiance Alicia, is pregnant. Are you excited about the baby? And it's interesting that she's only your fiance and you're not married. Planning <laughs> on a shotgun wedding? <laughs> oh, thickest word you are, hadn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Alicia and I have been together for, <clears throat> I don't know, I think we're coming up eight years now. Um, I've just been, been waiting for the right time. Um, to put a ring on it, but yeah, I finally grew a set and asked her to marry me. Um, and then, yeah, found out she was pregnant in uh, January the third was actually the day that we found out. So, um, to answer your question, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I can't wait. Um, she's just she's halfway now, just over. So, got another little yeah. bit to go. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to being a being a dad. Final question for the day, Steele. What would be your advice to any young aspiring kid who wants to be in the AFL? Good question. Um, well, I, I actually did a little thing like this not long ago and it was for some primary school kids and I guess for me it's just like if you want something sort of bad enough and there's sort of, you know, there's no reason, you know, why you can't do it and, um, you know, I talked about sort of when it was before and the way he attacks everything. Um, yeah. If you're going to do something, then you may as well do it to the best of your ability. And, um, you know, because at, at times it's, you know, it's quite easy just to sort of roll out and go through the motions and do enough. So it looks like, you you know, you're ticking them over. But I guess at the end of the day, it's only you who knows, you know, how hard you're really going. So, um, yeah, I guess a little saying if it is to be it's up to me so if you want something bad enough there's no reason then I don't think you can you can go out there and get it well thank you Steele and Matthew for being on the Sporting Max podcast my pleasure mate thanks for having us Maxie you didn't have to do much (laughs) thank you everyone for listening to this podcast with Steele Sidebottom and Matthew Dicker stay tuned for some more podcasts Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits. Keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Monday.